Good news, good news, good news. Welcome to this Good News Friday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, and so glad you've tuned in for the broadcast today because we have uh, just... <laughs> It, we've just got so much good news to share with you today. Uh, good news about things that we as parents and grandparents can get right with our families and, and make sure the legacy of faith is passed on. Kids need a, uh, a reinforcement from their parents as well as their aunts and uncles and grandchildren now more than ever before. And uh, Dan Seaborn is going to uh, join me in a couple of minutes to talk about how we can do that, how we can win at home here. First, though, I wanted to share some good news that kind of dovetails nicely with a special promotion that's going on right now with our friends at Preborn. Dennis Wilson of Wilson Financial Services put up a $7,500 donation match earlier this week. Uh, you know, if you've heard me talking about Preborn for the past year, uh, that it costs about $15,000 to uh, launch a kid. Uh, if you will, on, through uh, a, a preborn ultrasound. $15,000 brings the ultrasound machine to the clinic. It's $28 per ultrasound visit. You know, it gives mom a chance to see the baby, gets, get some pictures done, hear the heartbeat, get a consultation with a, a, an OBGYN that's going to help them see how far along they are in the process, and then give them the counseling and education that they need. Unlike abortion clinics, where you go to an abortion, and again, this is anecdotal, but I, I, the numbers bear out when it, you look at Planned Parenthood's annual report. The number of women who go to an abortion clinic and have an abortion and then find out that they had other options, uh, it, something like 55% of women who go through that say, if someone had told me that adoption was an option, I would not have had an abortion. But when you look at the fact that Planned Parenthood will acknowledge they did 382,000 surgical abortions last year and only gave out referrals for 1,400 adoptions, 382,000 versus 1,400, you can tell that the abortion industry does not want women to know that adoption is a viable option and that there are literally thousands, tens of thousands of families that would be glad to adopt their child. In addition, the abortion industry does not, and I was discussing this earlier this week here on the program, the abortion industry refuses to acknowledge that there are treatments like the abortion pill reversal. If a woman takes the so-called medical abortion route, that means that she's going to have uh, an abortion that comes in two uh, ways. It's either you, you, you're either going to have the surgery, which is the traditional way that we have often been told is the way that abortions take place, or she's going to take the abortion pill. And the abortion pill actually is administered in two different doses. The first dose starves the baby to death, and the second dose uh, makes sure that the baby's body doesn't stay inside a mom's womb. Mom's womb, meanwhile, still thinks that, okay, well, there's a baby in here. I'm supposed to keep feeding this child. And the, for, is it progesterone or mifepristone? I, I forget the order. But uh, it it's literally stops the flow of food, nutrition, from the mother to the child. It's completely unnatural. It's very risky. And there has been developed a pill that after you take the first dose, if you get this abortion reversal pill within uh, 48 hours of having the first dose, in many cases, the majority of cases, the abortion will stop and the child will start getting nourishment again and the baby will live. 4,500, 4,500 children have been saved using the abortion reversal pill. But you're not going to hear that at an abortion clinic. You're not going to get an ultrasound at an abortion clinic and they're not going to tell you there are options. 
if you go to a pregnancy resource center like a preborn clinic, they're going to tell you what your options are. Option number one, we did a pregnancy test and you're pregnant. Congratulations, you're going to be a mother. Uh, option number two, uh, it is legal in this state. You can end the pregnancy by killing the child. Option number three, you could adopt that child out to a family that is desperate to become parents. Well, there are also, I mean, and it's amazing, 85% of the women who go to preborn clinics see the ultrasound, get to hear the heartbeat, look at the little baby's picture, they choose life for their child, either that they're going to be mothers or they're going to release that child for adoption once the baby is born. Your $28 donation makes that happen for preborn, but a $15,000 donation actually provides an ultrasound machine, which can do 250 ultrasounds per year for a minimum of 10 years. So when you amortize the cost of that, I love to amortize, uh, 15,000 divided by 2,500, you get, what's that, about six bucks per? I mean, it's just, it's remarkably good investment. And it's tax deductible. Um, 833-850-BABY is the number to call. Dennis Wilson of Wilson Financial has put up a $7,500 match right now. We are going to get, a, a, I'm convinced of it. I know there's a bottom line listener right now who says, I will make a $250 donation to preborn for that ultrasound machine. I will give a $1,000 donation toward that ultrasound machine. We are going to get this done. If, well, you could do the math. If, if you get 15 people to donate $500 a piece, we've got another preborn clinic getting an ultrasound machine. Telling women the truth about what their situation involves helping them find adoptive families if they want adoption. But there's another part of the pro-life community that is starting to show up more and more, and I'm glad to see this happen. It's amazing how often this comes into to play. A young girl, for example, has a baby. She says, I'm not going to kill the baby. I'm going to deliver this child. She delivers the child and then all of a sudden says, oh my gosh, what happened? What? This is a lot. This is so emotional and it's so incredible and it's so compelling. Now, you've heard the stories before. Girl goes to a restaurant, gives birth and leaves the child in the restroom. Or you've heard about the baby found in the dumpster or the baby, you know, uh, left by the side of the road or whatever. It's just, it's awful. It's horrible. And the totalitarian left has no response for that. None whatsoever. The woman chose to give birth to the child. And all they can say is, well, she should have had an abortion. Enter the baby box or the safe drop box. Now, this is really, it's kind of a new invention in our culture anyway. Many cities, many towns, many states have laws that say that if a woman is pregnant, she delivers the child and she can't care for the baby, she can take the baby for a safe drop off at a hospital, a police station, or a fire station. No questions asked. Now, some women won't do that because, quite frankly, they might have a history with the law, for example. They don't want to show up and have to fill out forms and let people know that they're dropping off this baby because they're afraid authorities will be notified and they're, they, they don't want to go to jail. That's why these safe haven laws, these safe baby drop-off laws are so important. They need to be written in such a way that mom knows that it's between her and the baby and the state or county or city and this is you know how we do it so the baby box is a new invention that helps the safe haven law 
be enacted so that mom is protected so that if for some reason she's concerned about any criminal retribution against her recrimination uh, that's not going to happen the name of the game is save the baby's life you'd be amazed at the number of cities and counties and towns and states that fight against having these boxes put in at fire stations and at hospitals and at police stations now you might be wondering how this all works well, here's what happened. It's basically, it's like an incubator, okay? And what you could do is the, the box uh, has resources in it for the parent of the child, uh, information about the parent's rights. I mean, it's not just an empty box, you know. Um, it's, it, 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 it's a nice, warm bassinet, basically. The idea is you could ring the doorbell or knock on, let everybody know I'm making a delivery, uh, there's some paperwork that you have to fill out, but it's amazing. And you can establish this um, you can establish this relationship within the laws of the land. For example, in Tennessee, uh, Knoxville, Tennessee, had their first baby uh, delivered in a safe haven baby box. Uh, safe haven laws have been the law of the land in Tennessee since 2015. A mother can surrender a newborn unharmed baby to designated facilities within two weeks of birth with no fear of prosecution. Since April of 2015, at least 80 children have been surrendered under that law. But typically those laws have made a provision for mom to come into the hospital and say, hi, my name is Jane Doe and I want to, you know, I want to release my child for adoption here under the safe haven law. Well, just after midnight, a couple of Saturdays ago, in Knoxville, Tennessee, the first baby to be recovered from a safe haven baby box was recovered by the Knoxville Fire Department. You know how old this kid was? 30 minutes old. The box was installed in February at the Knoxville Fire Department, Station 17, Western Avenue, in case you're anywhere near there. Assistant uh, Fire Chief Mark Wilbanks of the Knoxville Fire Department revealed that the state is expected to have more baby boxes soon. They want to build one in Knox County, for example. He said parents who surrender their baby under the state's safe haven law usually feel like they're in a crisis. And whether they are in a crisis or not, that's how they feel. And this option allows them to ensure their child receives proper care and that the parents feel that they did the right thing. As Chief Eubanks says, our goal at the end of the day is to save lives, full stop. We don't ever want to be called to a scene where there's been a child disposed of in a dumpster. I mean, it's, just, it's, it's awful. The baby box is a great solution. Now, you know what's interesting about this? There are states like California and Colorado who pass laws that if a woman went in for an abortion and the child to be aborted somehow survived the abortion, that child could be left out in the cold, could be left in a dumpster, could be left anywhere to basically die and the abortionist would face no legal charges and the mother would face no legal charges. Now, what's wrong with that picture? Don't you think that the abortion industry would be enamored with the idea that you could do a safe release, a safe haven baby box, that this is one place where, as Nikki Haley says, I could bring a consensus. Why is it that the pro-abortion crowd hates this kind of legislation? Why are they so opposed to it? I don't understand. A woman who doesn't want to be punished for the pregnancy, as one of our former presidents once said, that was President 44, by the way, 
I don't want my daughter punished for the pregnancy if she gets pregnant when she's a teenager. Okay. Um, By the way, (laughs) funny sidebar. Um, Well, I'll talk about that in just a moment because there's a connection with today's date and the school where that president's daughter just graduated from and my daughter graduated from that school too. (laughs) It's a crazy story. But anyway, kudos to Knoxville, Tennessee and the fire department there. Kudos to Tennessee for having a safe haven law. I know Mississippi has them now as well. Uh, Kansas has them. It's great to see states saying, we're going to step up. We're going to make babies a priority. We're going to make the family a priority. And this is what we have to do. We've got a link for this article if you want to read more about it up at thebottomlineshow.com. And don't forget, give a donation to Preborn today. Let's get another ultrasound machine in. Let's go for two if we can before Father's Day. 833-850-BABY. As we continue, winning at home should be job one for those of us in the body of Christ. As earlier this week, we were talking with Chris and Laura Harris-Smith about how marriage and family, home and family is one of the rivers that we like to splash around in. But how do we tackle the topics that confuse kids and scare parents? Pastor and author Dan Seaborn joins me next to talk about some strategies for doing just that. It's coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. Well, today here on The Bottom Line, I want to get into a topic that is it's kind of the 800-pound gorilla, the elephant in the room, whatever you want to talk about. And that is the fact that in American society today, we are living through, I think, the first, if not the second generation of parents who don't really have an upper hand when it comes to raising kids in the culture. And for us who are in the grandparenting season, you've definitely seen that when your grandkids are over or you're hanging out with them and they're doing things that you would never ever you know have gotten away with with your kid with your parents and then you would not have put up with them as well when you were raising their their parents who are now uh raising their own kids how do we win these battles at home well today here on the bottom line show uh joined by dan seaborn who's the founder and president of winning at home ministries which is an organization that supports marriages and families he's an author a speaker and the leader of the marriage and family network at the American Association of Christian Counselors, where our good friend Dr. Tim Clinton is the founder and president. Dan is the author of a brand new book called Winning at Home, Tackling the Topics that Confuse Kids and Scare Parents, and I should add, and Grandparents, too. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Dan Seaborn, welcome to The Bottom Line Show. Thank you so much. Good to be with you, and I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to share with you. Well, let's talk about this, because let's face it. I mean, when it gets right down to what we used to raise kids during seasons, right? You know, there was the infant season, toddler season, elementary school season, you know, by the time middle school and high school, you could still kind of keep a leg up on the competition. Nowadays, you've got parents who are saying, wait, it, it doesn't work like that. I mean, not only does the culture counter to our Christian faith, but we get pretty strong opposition against that as well. Uh, where was the genesis for this book born? I mean, what, what was it a study? Was it just your own personal observation? What, what led you to write this book, Winning at Home? Uh, actually, Salem Communication, who published it, they reached out probably a year and a half ago and just said, Dan, you know, with all that's going on in our culture, with all the changes that have happened, and obviously at that point, we were not at the end of the pandemic. We were mm-hmm. still going through it. And at our office here at Winning at Home, we had seen probably an increase from 120 calls a month to for coaching and counseling to 220 calls a month. And oh uh, somebody knew our ministry, knew what we did and just said, OK, you guys must be dealing with a lot of the onslaught of what we're facing and what kids and teens are, are facing through this time. Would you be willing? Would you consider tackling some of these topics? And honestly, Roger, I took my time. I didn't say yes to that right away. I 
I took some time to pray about it. I even talked to our counselors, our clinicians here. And I said, if I tackle these topics, will you work with me? And we partnered together, our whole team. And I just said to Salem, if you'll give us some time and let us really ground the book, the foundation of the book being on biblical values, biblical truth, because I'm, I'm just one who does not believe buying into everything the culture throws at us is the answer. And right. so many people are doing that right now. It's just not a solid foundation. So this book was an attempt to deal with what I would call some of the chaos going on in our culture and give a little bit of clarity to it. And we're, we sought to do that. And this is the result. You know, it's a, it's a great resource. And, and for those who are listening and saying, okay, well, I heard the title, Winning at Home, Tackling the Topics that Confuse Kids and Scare Parents. I should point out, uh, even though Dan has this very youthful way about him, uh, he and I are contemporaries. He and his wife, Jane, have been married nearly 40 years. Yes, They're the yes. parents of four, and they have seven grandkids, too. So in yes. terms of understanding for our, the, the bulk of our audience are in that grandparenting season, but a lot of them are in parenting as well. So uh, if you are listening to this and saying, okay, well, I'm this this isn't for me. This is absolutely a book for you, which is part of the reason why I love it so much. Uh, Dan, I'm glad that you did the research, that you did the due diligence, that you are, are talking about the fact, and giving us as parents and grandparents the opportunity to say, you know what? I never shared, shared this with anybody else, but I don't know that I would want to be a parent today. The culture is so weird and there's so much opposition to our uh, our faith in the public square. It, it really is a challenge. What, where did you start in terms of identifying? I, mean, I, I don't think it'd be a question of saying, what are the uh, what are the challenges? It's like, which ones would you leave out of the book? Because this book would be a thousand pages long if you put all the problems in it. Well, one of the things I did right at the beginning, the first chapter is dealing with our own foundation. You're so right. I mean, as parents and grandparents, and I'm a grandparent, as a grandparent, I believe this is a season for me to really understand my own identity, who I am, who I am in Christ, because our kids, our grandkids are struggling with that. And they're going to need to look what I would call an adult in the room, someone who is setting that example, modeling for them. Uh, long term, you know, you may have some issues you deal with that you don't get a, a quick answer to or there's not a quick turnaround. But again, parenting, grandparenting is for the long haul. I always say, don't judge your kids. Don't even think about judging yourself as a parent until your kids are at least 30. So, you know, as a, as a grandparent, here yeah. I am sitting right now, and I still got a couple of kids who still struggle with stuff. And so it's just very important that we as grandparents and then as parents find our foundation and find our identity in Christ. You know, if someone comes to our office, a teen, a kid, all of our counselors are trained in this perspective of making sure they don't start with their identity in some sexuality or gender, all that don't go there first, let your identity first be found in Christ. And then a lot of the other things will work themselves out the proper way. And what a season for us grandparents who are in that stage of life to understand what we're modeling for our kids is huge. I mean, I was with my nine-year-old grandkid yesterday. He's my oldest. I was driving him home. Uh, his parents live a little ways out from, from the area he had soccer practice. So I picked him up, driving him home. I'm talking about these things. I'm saying to him, hey, man, just know you're God's kid. You're going to face some stuff. You're going to face some questions. Your identity is going to be questioned. You're going to question your own identity in the culture that we're in. But don't you dare forget who made you. God made you, has a purpose for your life. And those are what this book is about. And I deal with that in the very first chapter, that if you don't have a solid foundation, then the rest of it is just a waste of your time. You got to have that foundation in the Lord, that foundation on his word. And that's what this book's about. 
I'm talking with Dan Seaborn today here on The Bottom Line. If you're watching at myhopenow.com, you're watching a conversation that we've got going on Zoom as well. Uh, Dan Seaborn is the founder and president of Winning at Home Ministries. He's uh, uh, the leader of the Marriage and Family Network at the American Association of Christian Counselors. His brand new book is called Winning at Home, Tackling the Topics that Confuse Kids and Scare Parents. And we have a link for this book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Dan, I don't know about you, but one of the things that I find so frustrating in the culture right now is the fact that when it comes to faith, it's not enough that the culture is moving so far to the left in terms of what it means to be a boy or a man or a girl or a woman, th those types of things. But oftentimes it's the, uh, how, how shall I say it, the so-called theologian at the New York Times who takes a piece of scripture out of context, writes a 750 word article about it that goes viral. And next thing you know, you got people in church either scrambling to try to defend it and not doing a good job or ignoring it and hoping it'll just go away. That's the culture that we're living in now. And I can see why a lot of parents and some grandparents are scared too. What, what do you say to that, 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 that parent right now who says, look, I go to scripture and try to find answers for the things that are in there. And I don't always see them. I mean, it's not, I wish God would say thou shalt not be transgender, you know, or whatever, but, but I don't see that there. Dan Seaborn, what do you recommend to the parent who says I'm wrestling with that right now and I don't know where to turn in scripture to find the answer? Do, do the research to make sure you are aware of what scripture says. And in the book, we have some things speaking to the ver those very issues. That's one of the things we took time to do was identify some scriptural passages, some very strong biblical passages that give you that foundational truth. It's, it's there and not all the answers are perfect. You know, Roger, I would just say any parent, any grandparent having a conversation with your kid, uh, there are going to be times that you need to look at your kid and say this, I don't know. Let mm. me check into that and I'll get back with you. One of the wisest parents I know that I'm watching right now has a 17-year-old, 13-year-old, 10-year-old. And she was telling me the other day about her 17-year-old came with a transgender question, came with same-sex issue question. And she literally said, I did this. I went, I don't know. I want to get back to you on that. And she took her time, researched it, wrote Smart. a beautiful, she actually showed me the letter she wrote her daughter. Oh my goodness. I said, your daughter's going to carry that with her the rest of her life. Oh, so wonderful. it's okay as parents sometimes to say, I'm not sure. And I don't want to give you a quick answer because I might give you a wrong answer. So let me take some time and research that. And I actually think your kid will appreciate it because the people around them are giving them their opinions. Everybody's got an opinion mm -hmm. and those opinions are not long lasting. And so as a parent, it's okay for you to struggle through it yourself, understand where you're at, understand what you need to believe from God's word, and then take your time in sharing that with your kids. So don't feel you have to have all the answers. And that's one of the things this book won't do. Like you won't turn to page 12 and go here, here's exact three things because every kid's different. <laughs> every right. family's different. I mean, Roger, the way you do your family, I do my family. They're totally different. Right. But our goal long-term is to make sure we draw our children to a strong relationship with Christ. And I know that's your goal too. We might do it two different ways, but we got to be able to do the research to know exactly how we're going to lead and guide our family. Great counsel from Dan Seaborn today here on The Bottom Line, founder and president of Winning at Home Ministries and author of the brand new book called Winning at Home, Tackling the Topics that Confuse Kids and Scare Parents. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. More practical tips that you can use to uh, win that war, the culture war at home with your confused kids or grandkids and the fact that there are parents in your world. Maybe you're that parent who's a little scared of what's happening in the culture right now and you're looking for some calm and some peace more of my conversation with dan seaborn in just a moment as the bottom line continues
You can protect against market volatility without investing all your money into bonds. Wilson Financial has simply better alternatives. The last 12 months, there has been almost $1.7 trillion invested in investment-grade bonds. This move to safety locks up money for a long time of guaranteed low returns. Why? Market volatility. Well, my comment is why go with low earnings for a long time when you can get great earnings with a solid real estate-backed investment paying you 6% over the next three years. After three years, you can invest in another option, or you can do what most of our investors do and reinvest in another one of our new exclusive 6% accounts. This strategy gives you the best of both options without settling for many years of low returns. Our 3D Money 6% account pays you great interest while you're not subjecting yourself to market volatility. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or visit kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial and ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive real estate-backed 6% investment account. Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Good News Friday edition of the program, and we are grateful to have Dan Seaborn with us today here on the broadcast to talk about the keys to winning at home uh, and the idea that... Uh, there are some topics that confuse kids and scare parents, and we are dealing with those topics today here on the Bottom Line Show. Uh, 800-227-5278. We've got a couple copies of this book to give away. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. And remember, um, we've got not only a couple of these books to give away, but if you're really nice... Um, it's a special day in the Marsh household for a couple of reasons. And so I'll be generous. Why not? Um, <laughs> uh, Crystal has a whole slew of other freebie materials that you can win from us here. We'll kind of make it a everyone wins Good News Friday edition of the program. How about it? 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. We'll take a quick break. And when we come back, you know, this is something for parents and grandparents alike. There are topics that kids are dealing with right now in the culture today, gender identity and race relations, mental health issues, uh, technology, etc., that are really confusing kids. And they want to feel, feel as though they've got all the answers. But if they are confusing to kids, they are downright terrifying to parents. How do we ease our fears? Dan Seaborn talks more about that coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. Dan Seaborn is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. If you're listening to our radio program or our podcast or watching the video podcast at myhopenow.com, you see Dan's a very handsome guy. And, uh, and, <laughs> and as a parent of four kids, grandparent of seven, you and your wife have been married for nearly 40 years and you're still smiling and you ah. still have that glow about you, Dan. That speaks, I think it speaks volumes about uh, your, your qualifications, not only as the founder and president of Winning at Home Ministries and the leader of the Marriage and Family Network at the American Association of Christian Counselors, but uh, that you, you give us hope that there is a light at the end of the tunnel when it comes to raising our kids and encouraging our grandkids, and that light at the end of the tunnel is not an oncoming train. So the book is called Winning at Home, Tackling the Topics that Confuse Kids and Scare Parents. The book's up at thebottomlineshow.com. Dan, during the break, we were talking about one of the big challenges that you have in working with parents and with grandparents about this issue is they want to solve the problem with what's going on with their kids, but they kind of don't want to know what the problem is. Don't tell me, Yeah. you know, yeah. just what are some of the things that kids are telling you when they're coming to you and saying, Hey, I got this issue with the church, my parents, et cetera. Yeah. I want to dive into that. But before I even do, I think it's really important for me to be 
transparent, honest here that, you know, I, I didn't do it perfectly. I have four kids and my youngest went wayward, Roger. And, you know, when you said that about a smile on my face, if you had told me, if we go back even six, seven years, if you had told me I would get my smile back, I would have mm. said to you how, because uh, my daughter was wayward, got involved in drugs, hardest years of my life. And mm. so somebody listening or watching today who says, well, I don't relate to these guys. They have perfect lives. Not me. Mm-hmm. Not you, probably, Roger. We all right. we all have stuff we deal with. And for me, it was having to come to the realization that I really don't ultimately have control over all these things. Right. Uh, Anna, my daughter, who was wayward, she's God's kid first. And I had to learn the hard way what that meant. And so as I answered this question about what people are dealing with, one of the things we're trying to help them see is, the more you give your children to the Lord, give them godly guidance, they get to make their choices. I mean, I've got four adult kids right now. I don't make their choices for them. They make their own choices. And part of parenting is learning to guide them in that way. I describe parenting these days as broken people raising more broken people. (laughs) And so without the Lord, I think we end up in a broken mess. And so our goal at Winning at Home is to guide these teens, these kids who are coming in. And right now, Roger, probably the, the top thing we're seeing is anxiety and depression. It, it's off the roof uh, here. We're dealing with teen suicide issues here. And it's coming from the uncertainty in our society. And, you know, social media, the news, all these things that are around us all the time, they affect us as parents. So our kids are looking at us as parents and going, okay, if mom and dad are anxious, if mom and dad are dealing with anxiety or depression, it's going to filter right down to them. So they're watching us again, as I go back to the beginning, that foundation, that modeling uh, the joy of the Lord, even in the middle of tough stuff, is is guiding our kids in a proper way. And so this idea of helping our kids when they're dealing with anxiety, depression, which are two different things. Anxiety is more short term, yes. something a kid's struggling with at school or relationship with a friend is something that comes up, creates that extra fast heartbeat anxiety in their spirit. Depression, depression is more long-term. It's something that after you've had a whole lot of anxiety over a period of time, you go into depression. I dealt with that with my daughter. When she was wayward, I went into depression. I didn't want to get out of bed. I mean, Mm. I traveled across the country and preached. I did my job, but it was barely putting one foot in front of the other. And so some parent, grandparent listening today who's at that spot, I get it. So I want to give you a couple tips with that, uh, with, with the anxiety part, with a child, with a teen. One of the things that our lead uh, child therapist here has done is written a little book called Peanut Butter Pie. And she said, you know, all kids love peanut butter pie. So she said, what I've tried to do is help a child understand if they can remember peanut butter pie, we're going to take the PBP. She said the P stands for the first P stands for pause. She said, mm-hmm. like, teach your child, sit with them on the couch when they're anxious and say to them, what are you feeling? Why are you so anxious? She said, let them say it. Because so often as parents, we want to just tell them, you don't need to be anxious. That's going to be fine. Right. Mm-hmm. She said, let them express it. Let them say it. Listen to them. Don't try to cut them off, fix it. Just pause. Let them speak. Secondly, breathe. Just tell them, all right, let's take a couple of breaths here. It's going to be okay. You are going to get past this and even share how you've had anxiousness and you got past the anxiousness as a parent. And then the last P is pray. So pause, breathe, pray, and then you teach that little principle to your child. They're on the playground, they're at school. They can remember peanut butter pie. Oh, yeah, pause, breathe, pray. So they Mm -hmm. learn to handle the anxiety in their own spirit. And then with depression, um, the best way for me to describe depression is to tell what I was feeling. When I was 
going through that wayward time with my daughter, uh, these were the things I kept telling myself, you're no good, man, you dropped the ball as a parent. Wow. You've really failed. And she was telling me that she didn't like me as a parent. Wow. Even my own daughter hates me. So repeating that stuff to my, that those statements to myself over time, I just got depressed and I actually was believing a lie. A lot of depression Mm. is believing something that isn't true because you've told yourself over and over and over that particular thing. And so I think it's very important when you're in depression, make sure you're talking with someone about that, because if, if they say back to you, that's just not true. Listen to them. They're trying to help you break that depression cycle. And then secondly, when I was in that spot, you know, my counselor was working with me it's kind of nice for me. I've got 30 counselors around me. So I just walk <laughs> in the office that I want to walk into. And I'm like, look, I'm depressed. I said, I don't want to admit it, but I don't want to do a thing. I don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to see anybody. Somebody walks up to me in the grocery store and goes, oh, Dan, how's your family? I don't want mm. to speak to them. Right. So I said to this counselor, how do I deal with that? And they actually encouraged me uh, in this particular thought. They said, well, you got to break that negative pattern. And one of the ways you do that is to do something you enjoy. And and the counselor said to me, I just want you to do something you enjoy for two minutes. I was like, I don't want to. And he goes, I know you don't, but do something you enjoy for two minutes. What he didn't tell me was he was hoping two minutes became four minutes, became six minutes. So breaking that pattern. And and for me, it sounds crazy, but I collect basketball cards. So I got my cards out. (laughs) I looked at them, you know, and it, it, it began to help me go, okay, there's more to life than my daughter being wayward. I got some other things over here. I enjoy sometimes depression is just because we're focused on that negative pattern. And if you can change the path, you need to do that. If you need to see a counselor, see a coach, please take that step because there's no reason for you to live in that depression. And sometimes mm-hmm. there are other things that need to be involved and your counselor will guide you in that. And then obviously I would add that third part of just pray. I mean, I know for me, it was God, you got to help me because I cannot do this alone. And right. I do believe uh, I do have a joy on my, uh, I do have joy. I do have a smile again on my face, Roger, but it certainly wasn't because I pulled it off. It's because God, the father showed me that he's with me, even in the bottom of my well. Dan Seaboard, I really appreciate your transparency in that because you just ministered to thousands of parents mm-hmm. who are looking at mm-hmm. that season right now. And I know I think that you'd mentioned your youngest daughter. What is it with youngest kids and doing that stuff, right? I mean, My easiest couple, kid. I mean, yeah. she was yeah. so easy to raise. And then uh-huh. when she gets 16, you know, yeah. and, and I would go to, I would say to you, she even says to me, dad, what was wrong with me? I'm like, let's talk about mm-hmm. that. But mm-hmm. it's because her mind and, and, and especially drugs, you just don't think clear. So right. when a child gets involved in that stuff, especially in our society right now, there's so many opportunities for things to be distractions in their yes. life, distracting yes. them from their real purpose. And so it's just where we're at as a culture. Hey, Dan, we got about 60 seconds left in our conversation. I'm talking with Dan Seaborn today of Winning at Home Ministries. The book is called Winning at Home, Tackling the Topics that Confuse Kids and Scare Parents. And we have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. I know we've been talking a lot about adolescent behavior, but you also address the fact that, you know, one of these things where, as you said early on, you don't really get a chance to pull out the report card as to how you did as a parent until your kids turn at least 30. And I know a lot of parents are wrestling with the idea, hey, wait, you're 25. I, I figured you would be at a certain point by now. You're, you should, you know, 30, 35, whatever the mile markers are. How does this resource winning at home help the parent who says, okay, that might be your story with younger kids, but my kids are in their 20s and 30s and maybe even 40s. Are there principles in there to help them as well? 
Certainly. I believe as I've aged, one of the most challenging things in life is parenting adult children. <laughs> mm -hmm. I would not have said that uh, until I reached this stage. You know, my kids are at the age where uh, they're looking at my life and they're wanting to make sure they don't uh, copy the mistakes that I handed to them. Ouch. And I remember doing that with my parents. So it's yep. just part of a process. It's part of the stage. It's part of the maturity. And yes, we have a chapter in there that deals with that. But for all of us parents, I want to say something to you. You'll never be perfect. Take that pressure off yourself. As a grandparent, you won't even do that perfectly. Your kids will tell you and remind you of that. So just be faithful to find your own purpose, your own value. And that's what happened for me, Roger. I, I know the Lord again showed me, Dan, I have a purpose for you. When I live into that purpose, I parent a whole lot better. And I would just encourage parents to continue to find your purpose in the Lord. I love it. Parenting according to your purpose. Dan Seaborn with Winning at Home Ministries. Winning at Home, Tackling the Topics that Confuse Kids and Scare Parents is the brand new book. We highly recommend it here at The Bottom Line Show. It's up at thebottomlineshow.com. Hey, Dan, thank you so much for your tenacity and our getting together for this time for this recording and uh, also your flexibility as well. And God bless you and your family as you continue to grow in this great season of ministry. Thanks for being with us today here on The Bottom Line. Thank you so much for allowing me to partner with you. Great conversation with Dan Seaborn today here on The Bottom Line. Winning at home, taking on uh, tackling the topics that confuse kids and scare parents and grandparents too. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. We have two copies of this book that we're giving away today at 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Um, Dan Seaborn has a master's in Christian ministry and is the founder and president of Winning at Home, which is an organization that supports marriages and families. And he's part of the Marriage and Family Network of the American Association of Christian Counselors. He's a funny guy. He's an honest guy. And I hope you appreciated his take on how do we as parents and grandparents deal with those issues that are just really dicey in the culture today. Winning at Home is the book that we're giving away today here on The Bottom Line. Two copies to do so, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, is the number to get you through to The Bottom Line. Let's take a quick break, and when we continue, a, uh, a good news story about uh, someone who was rescued literally from a fiery death and had a bit of a... Uh, uh, well, a, a bit of a good Samaritan experience and also um, a piece of criticism about one of the most popular Christian television programs of all time that now has earned an apology. We'll take a look at that coming up next as the bottom line continues. You've been in an accident and the worst thing you can do is to wait to contact Stephanie at Cover Law. Stephanie frequently talks to people who waited too long to seek help with their cases or tried to handle them on their own. And by then, it's too late. Family and friends mean well, but they can give truly bad advice. Often even trusted advisors will try and convince you to wait for more compensation. Stephanie knows the insurance companies want you to wait. They don't want you to file police reports, and they don't want you to reach out to Stephanie at Cover Law. That's because Stephanie is keenly aware of the tactics they use and why. She spent 20 years litigating for insurance companies and knows the strategy they will use to minimize their liability and your awarded amount. Insurance companies are for profit. They don't share Stephanie's Christian values, and typically they won't be fair to you. 
Don't deny yourself the ability to get better. Go with a proven expert in the field of personal injury and contact Cover Law at kbrightradio.com slash C-O-V-E-R today. My thanks again to Dan Seaborn, the founder and president of Winning at Home Ministries, for joining me today here on The Bottom Line to talk about his book called Winning at Home which is a great name for a book and a ministry, tackling the topics that confuse kids and scare parents. And I added the subtitle, scare grandparents too. Uh, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. We've got two copies of this book to give away, but if you call in and we've already given away the books, fear not, uh, uh, Crystal has a variety of other free resources, and since it's a special day in the Marsh household, uh, we're giving away to anybody. Um, <laughs> uh, we're giving the, just whatever you want, whatever you're looking for. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. You know, it's interesting um, that the, uh, the television program, The Chosen, has become something of a huge phenomenon. That's an understatement. When uh, Dallas Jenkins started this, uh, this whole uh, event years and years ago, it was crowdsourced. It was crowdfunded. Um, and then God did something rather remarkable with it. They got a few episodes in the can. They weren't quite sure how to distribute it. This was in 2019 or so. And then 2020 rolled around and then we had a pandemic. And then the pandemic forced a lot of people to stay at home. And it was just interesting um, <laughs> to see how it took off because people were at home and all of a sudden Netflix, PureFlix, Hulu, everybody was watching these on-demand streaming services and The Chosen became the big deal. So The Chosen became big and popular and got to the other day. We had some guys out doing some work at the house. Uh, Ray and uh, uh, George did a phenomenal job helping us pack away some stuff that we needed to get packed away. Uh, highly recommend their services if you're in the Coachella Valley, by the way. That's where they're headquartered. Um, hit me up at all give you their stuff but they i had my come and see hat on in the garage and they're like oh come and see the chosen yeah you know we had a really great time of fellowship and it's amazing how that mantra if you will come and see has become kind of the battle cry for the chosen and millions of people are benefiting from watching the show now to be fair, when the show was originally produced, they was produced out of Angel Studios, which is in Utah, which is a group that's part of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I understand The Chosen has now kind of moved away from that. And uh, it's very interesting because um, Dallas Jenkins gets hit from all sides. Is he a Mormon? Is he not a Christian? Why do they only use certain stories of the scripture and why do they not use any? I had a question for the people from The Chosen, quite frankly. Uh, when Lisa and I went to the National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Dallas in 2021, uh, we did a little video. I walked on the, they had the set set up inside one of the convention halls and I was walking past some of the costumes and everything. I'm 6'3 and I'm a big guy. And I was looking at these costumes and these guys look like midgets. And I went, wait, why are these costumes so small? And so I had a chance a couple months later to go to the set in Midlothian, Texas, about an hour south of Dallas. And I was talking to one of the production assistants there and I said, hey, what's up with the, you know, the costumes, they're kind of skimpy. And she looked at me and she goes, well, we're trying to be as authentic as we can. And this is about how tall the men were back in the day. I said, wow, so I'm kind of a Nephilim type of guy, right? And she said, pretty much. Um, <laughs> okay, well, there you go. But the thing about The Chosen, like with many other Christian productions, is when it comes to 
who works on the set, you don't always have an all-Christian crew. Sometimes this is intentional in the sense that you want the best people available, and not to say that the Christians aren't the best, but if you want the A-list sound mixer and you don't ask what his religious background is, you just get that guy in there. Now, I know a lot of guys who are Christians. A buddy of mine, Jeff Haddad, uh, worked on sound for what was, it, was it Jesus Revolution, or, and he was one of the main guys there. But he also earned one for he worked on as part of the sound crew for Top Gun, and got an Academy Award for it. I mean, Jeff's a phenomenal guy, great man of God, but uh, he's also a, an incredible mixer. Well, sometimes though, on the crew, you don't always have Christians working there. And the question is, how far do you go? Uh, there was a piece that ran in the Daily Wire, Ben Shapiro's publication criticizing the chosen after uh there was a a a video that was taken of where someone had uh, near one of the uh uh, it looked like a light standard where they're out shooting some of season four um they someone had put a rainbow flag there and a guy called john root said hey the chosen tv can you explain why there's a pride flag on your set Now, I honestly don't know who John Root is. He's on Twitter. He probably has a lot of followers. But uh, they said, you know, is this God honoring to promote a symbol that represents sexual immorality, a worldly redefinition of marriage, and the idea that you could change your biological sex? And so he said, this breaks my heart to see this, especially during Pride Month, quote unquote. Shouldn't every part of the show be biblically based to truly honor the authentic Jesus? Well, here's their response that came from the chosen. And to their credit, they, uh, they, they, they answered right away. I don't know if it's Dallas, or, but it's at the chosen TV. The response, just like our hundreds of cast and crew who have different beliefs or no belief at all than we do, we will work with anyone on our show who helps us portray uh, honor and honor the authentic Jesus. We ask that the audiences let the show speak for itself and focus on the message, not the messenger, because if that's your focus, we will always let you down. Now, it's interesting because the dialogue went on um, and it's just, it's a Daily Wire ran this piece and um, it's interesting because, you know, the, the... the the exchange kind of devolved into something that maybe wasn't the best thing to actually do. And social media is not a place to find consensus. It really is a place to find division. But it's very interesting to see how the Daily Wire responded to this when um, the publisher and the CEO, Jeremy Boring, wrote a publication on uh, Twitter on the Wednesday after this all happened. They published a piece called The Chosen Defends Pride Flag Spotted on Set. Let the show speak for itself. The article published Tuesday documents the criticism directed at the crowdfunded series after a photograph surfaced showing an LGBT pride flag attached to a camera during the filming of the fourth season. John Root, who describes himself as an anti-woke sports guy and has a website marketing himself doing sports, political news, and entertainment reporting, um, and he's also an actor, uh, took them to task over this. But basically what Jeremy Boring eventually said was, I I apologize for the piece that we published because it's really disgusting. You know, brothers and sisters, here's the thing. Matthew 18 is pretty clear if somebody sins against you, right? What's the first thing you're supposed to do? It's not go on Twitter and criticize them. 
If you've got an issue, I see, I ask this question a lot. If someone has a beef with me or whatever, we'll have a conversation privately. If I see somebody publicly attacking someone, first thought is, well, did they speak to them first? In this case, I got to give Jeremy Boring some credit because even though he did not like the exchange at all from both sides, he owned up and said, you know what? It was disgusting for us to publish this. We really should not have perpetrated this at all. And that's our bad. I'm glad he did that. I think that's a, a very worthwhile endeavor for him to undertake. Now, it doesn't mean that there shouldn't be more dialogue about whether or not the Chosen hires gay people. I'll tell you why I don't have a problem with it. Coming up next is the bottom line. Yeah, I said I don't have a problem with it. I'll tell you why. Coming up next as the bottom line continues. You know the old expression, a picture is worth a thousand words? Well, if you're an expectant mom and you go to a pregnancy health center that is in partnership with Preborn, one picture can say way more than that. And that picture I'm talking about is an ultrasound picture. Every donation that goes to Preborn goes to providing ultrasounds for women who are expecting children and they want to know what all of their options are. When you call 833-850-BABY right now, you give a gift of $28 that provides one ultrasound. But if you give a gift toward the purchase of an ultrasound machine, now that's a $15,000 investment, but every ultrasound machine can do 250 ultrasounds per year and lasts a minimum of 10 years. That's 2,500 ultrasounds available to women right now. Think of all the babies, thousands of babies' lives that will be saved by your donation to preborn right now. Call 833-850-BABY. 833-850-BABY. That's 833-850-2229. Make your best donation right now. $50, $100. Maybe you want to give $15,000. It's completely tax deductible. We've had a couple of bottom line listeners step up and do just that. 833-850-BABY. 833-850-BABY. That's 833-850-2229. Call Preborn right now. Welcome back to The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. Good News Friday edition of the program. And I shared a good news story in the last segment about the CEO of the Daily Wire publication, Ben Shapiro's publication, a guy called Jeremy Boring, who they ran an article a week or so ago about an exchange between the producers of The Chosen and a guy who's trying to clout chase and, uh, you know, you, you attack the big guy. And then hope that uh, you get lots of followers because people see that they've got a lot of followers and it's part of the game of social media. It's part of the reason I'll play it. And Jeremy Boring said, you know what? It was really disgusting for us to run this whole piece. We shouldn't have done it. I didn't like what this guy posted. I didn't like the producer's answer either, but I shouldn't have done it. And the question was, why was there an LGBTQ pride flag attached to one of the cameras on the set of The Chosen? And the answer is probably because they had some gay people working on the set. What? This is a Christian television series. What do you mean gay people working on the set? No, we're not going down the gay Christian route. But let me tell you about a guy who was led to Christ through a church choir director. Young boy who didn't grow up in a Christian home, but did sing in church choirs when he was younger. Got to college. And once he was in college, he was invited by his, he was a choral music major, he was invited by his instructor at the local college to come and join the choir. He said, here's the deal. You need voice lessons for your major. I need a baritone soloist. I could pay you to be my baritone soloist, but instead of paying you, or, or why don't you use that? We'll trade off. I will give you voice lessons, and then you be my baritone soloist. And so he did. 
And this guy met a very godly young woman, his uh, senior year in high school, actually. They started dating their sophomore year in college. And by the time he became a senior, he had become a baptized believer in the Lord. It went on to a 50-year career in music ministry and uh, raised three godly children and has two sons who became pastors. And if this story sounds familiar, it's because I'm talking about my dad. And my dad always made it a point to hire the best players for the musicals that we did at our church. But if we wanted a brass quintet or whatever on Easter Sunday, he would kind of joke sometimes, well, I'll call these guys. They're not doing anything on Easter Sunday morning. But they loved playing for my dad. They loved playing sacred music for my dad. And a couple of them actually came to faith in Christ. And I kept thinking to myself, how else would they hear the gospel except for Warren Marsh hired them to play in his orchestra? So if Dallas Jenkins is hiring people who are not Christians to run the camera and do makeup and do costumes and things like that, I say, do it. They're not delivering the lines. They're not the goods, if you will, in front of the camera. But if they are the best lighting directors, whatever, do it because we want them to hear the gospel. We want them to see Jesus in action, not only acted out on camera, but also lived out in between takes, at mealtimes. What happens when it, you get rained out for the day and you're inside playing cards or shooting pool or just hanging out, shooting the breeze? Go into all the world and preach the gospel. And when you have a vehicle like the Chosen, someone says, hey, wow, I'm gonna give some work on the Chosen. I don't care about that Christian stuff. I mean, when I talked to the guys who made the Jesus Revolution movie, and they said there were some people on the set who were not believers, but when they shot the big baptismal scene at Pirate's Cove, they were jumping in the water, giving their lives to the Lord. Let's be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger, and let God what he's gonna do what he's gonna do. These are strategic times we're living in, brothers and sisters. That is good news, and that's the bottom line. A few moments left for you to get in on the giveaway, Dan Seaborn's Winning at Home book. We have two copies to give away before the top of the hour. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. KCBC audience, have a great weekend. Uh, we've got uh, Discovering the Jewish Jesus coming up next. For those who remain on the network, more Good News Friday and a very special tribute coming up next as the bottom line continues. Good news, good news, good news. Welcome to this Good News Friday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marshore. Uh, shall I say welcome back to this Good News Friday edition because as we always point out at the top of the third half hour, the second hour of the uh, broadcast, a lot of people only get a chance to hear one half hour and this is it. So if this is your half hour of good news, welcome to the Bottom Line Show. If you are part of the privileged few who get a chance to listen to all 90 minutes and you do so on terrestrial radio, I think that's worthy of a prize. Give Crystal a call right now at 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line, even if you've won something in the last 30 days. If you are a 90-minute listener, you get to hear the full hour and a half edition of the Bottom Line Show every day. Uh, we would love to hear from you. And we got a little something for you at 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800 the number to get you through to the bottom line. Do you remember what happened on June the 3rd, 1973? A lot of things did, <laughs> but actually one thing in particular was at that time, 
the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association launched an historic outreach into Yoido Plaza in Seoul, South Korea. These were conference attendees that predominantly made the journey on foot. They were walking for miles and miles and miles and miles in hopes of hearing the gospel. The Korean churches and Dr. Billy Kim, who was the pastor who did the translating for Billy Graham during their outreach, um, said, wow, it was just a groundbreaking event 50 years ago to have this happen. And so um, the, the organizers of the event from 50 years back said, wouldn't it be great if we could have Franklin Graham, Billy Graham's son, uh, now the, uh, and trust me, I don't know if you've seen any of the pictures from uh, like the National Religious Broadcasters Convention. Something happened this year and Franklin Graham morphed into his father's hair. I, it's the craziest thing, but I've seen these pictures. I'm like, whoa, it's like I'm looking at Billy Graham. Franklin, maybe it's because it's thinning. Maybe it's a receding hairline. I don't know. But Franklin Graham is combing his hair like his father, like his daddy. And it he is the spitting image of him. Well, to commemorate the 50th anniversary, now the 50, 50 years ago, June 3rd, 1973, at the Yoido Plaza, there were over a million people, 1.1 million to be exact, who showed up for this evangelistic outreach. And Billy Graham preached the gospel and Billy Kim translated for Billy Graham. If you've ever given a testimony somewhere, or even just given a presentation, one of the most difficult things to do is to speak through an interpreter right? I, I could still remember the first time I did so. I was 20 years of age. I was part of a team of young adults that went through my church at the time, Lake Hills Community Church uh, in Laguna Hills, California. And uh, we went down to Mexicali with Azusa Pacific University. And I had the privilege of giving my testimony for the first time in a men's wing of a Mexican prison. <laughs> Now, it's a great story now, but, and the guy that they got, we had a translator, he bombed out on us at the last minute. Somebody knew a kid from a high school in Long Beach. All I knew is his name was Mario, and he agreed to be our translator. Mario was about five foot four, and I think he weighed about 35 pounds. He was the skinniest human being I've ever seen in my life. And so here I am trying to tell these guys what happened to me. And even though I grew up in the church, I did not really profess faith and receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit till I was just 19 years of age. I just finished my first year of, of college and it was kind of a disastrous year. And God met me on literally May Day, 1981. And even though I had prayed the year before to receive Christ on his terms instead of my own, because I had that kind of young person faith, hey, God, I'll follow you, and, and, and as long as you keep blessing me, and as long as I don't face any real hardship, I'm yours. And then that first year out of high school was tough, and uh, it really kind of brought me to my knees by the, uh, the 1st of May. But then it was about four months later that I actually really did pray that prayer where I accepted God on his terms, and it was beautiful. Here I am a year later in Mexicali in a prison trying to share my testimony. And I didn't know how to share the testimony. I didn't understand what the gospel meant. I really didn't. I knew that Jesus Christ died, paid the penalty for my sin, that I'm a sinner, and that he saved me from my sin, full stop. And that's what I preached to those guys. And I don't know if it had any impact or not, but it was, it was powerful. It was really powerful. Um, Franklin Graham 
went to Seoul, South Korea. He was at the Seoul World Cup Stadium on June the 3rd, 2023. 50th anniversary of the historic outreach. About 70,000 people packed in to the stadium to hear Franklin preach and to hear Dr. Billy Kim, the guy who translated for his dad, also do the, uh, the translation as well. Franklin Graham's message was simple. He said, Korea has changed so much in the last 50 years. The world has changed, but God's love for you has not changed. Um, Earlier in that week, uh, another Graham legacy continued. Franklin Graham's son, Will Graham, who's an evangelist and is also the executive vice president of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, addressed a youth rally at uh, Sarang Church uh, it's a 60,000-member Presbyterian church in Seoul, and about 6,500 young people showed up, and it was really remarkable. But I love the fact that not only did Franklin Graham preach in Seoul, he preached in Vietnam, and as many people are complaining and concerned about how bad the world is getting and how awful it is for Christians here in the 21st century to be living in America that seems to be anti-Christian right now, can we take a look at the entire globe for just a moment and see two powerful extremes, neither of which we're running into right now, that God is using to bring people closer to himself? Extreme number one is in places like Korea and Vietnam and Iraq and Iran, where people are coming to Christ in droves. Did you see the uh, story about the young woman, uh, Muslim, by birth, which means she's Muslim, uh, who won Miss USA? this year she's a beauty queen and she has given glory to god on social media and she's become a christian now if she were to do that in iran or saudi arabia syria or something like that she would be executed for being an apostate but the fact that she was born into a muslim home in a muslim loving country and is thought to be a muslim now she will be considered apostate by the islamic church and um you know, that's, it, it's nice that she has her freedom in Christ. But God is doing remarkable things on a positive level. At the same time, there are guys like Yusuf Nanarkani, who is a, an Iranian pastor who was born in Tehran, became a Christian at 16, says passionately and adamantly he is not a Muslim, but he is a Christian. But every time he steps out of line, they throw him in prison again. There are hundreds of thousands of Christians, if not millions of Christians, who are enslaved because of their faith, who are having their homes and possessions destroyed because of their faith. And we see both of the extremes. You think of Greg Harrison through the Bible, outstanding ministry, of course, of Dr. J. Vernon McGee, and the underground church that they are helping to fuel and grow with the preaching of the gospel online. Incredible. Just wonderful, incredible. I'm so privileged that we are, I'm grateful that we're privileged to be a part of helping to support that ministry and your tax-deductible donations to any of the programmers you hear on this station. I highly recommend, whether it's Jeremy McGarity with Skyline Radio, Michael Youssef leading the way, Rabbi Schneider discovering the Jewish Jesus, uh, David Jeremiah Turning Point, Charles Stanley's ministry in touch, uh, of course, through the Bible, with J. Vernon McGee, Lance Sparks. I'm just thinking of the K-Bright lineup now. Lance Sparks here at 9.30 every weekday morning. Joyce Meyer, uh, David Hawking, uh, of course, Seculo, J. Seculo Live, Alistair Begg, uh, Through the Bible again, David Hawking, or David Jeremiah again, Charles Stanley, Narrow Path, Steve Gregg, right before the bottom line on many of our affiliates. 
They're all worthy of your financial support. And the sponsors who sponsor the Bottom Line Show, too. The times are getting more strategic, and the good news of the gospel will not be stopped, but it may be impeded in certain areas. And your tax-deductible donations help to make that possible. Um, speaking of overcoming obstacles and impediments, going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to tell you about a special day in the Marsh family that's happening today, going on right now as we speak. And um, it gives me great joy to share with you what is happening in our lives and the legacy of faith that started many generations ago that continues to find a way when there doesn't appear to be a way. Uh, involving my mom and my youngest daughter and our whole family. I want to share it with you. That's a Good News Friday story on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues. You can protect against market volatility without investing all your money into bonds. Wilson Financial has simply better alternatives. The last 12 months, there has been almost $1.7 trillion invested in investment-grade bonds. This move to safety locks up money for a long time of guaranteed low returns. Why? Market volatility. Well, my comment is why go with low earnings for a long time when you can get great earnings with a solid real estate-backed investment paying you 6% over the next three years. After three years, you can invest in another option, or you can do what most of our investors do and reinvest in another one of our new exclusive 6% accounts. This strategy gives you the best of both options without settling for many years of low returns. Our 3D Money 6% account pays you great interest while you're not subjecting yourself to market volatility. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or visit kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial and ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive real estate-backed 6% investment account, Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. Welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, June 9th, uh, 2023. This is the Good News Friday edition of the broadcast, and the fact that I have the privilege of being on the radio with you today is uh, nothing short of miraculous, but it's also very, very special because I grew up in a home where the radio was a very, very important to us, and uh, maybe you did too. I mean, that's I, I, that's probably why the AM radio especially. We do have some FM affiliates, but why the AM radio is so important. Some of my earliest memories with the radio are my mother listening to KNX 1070 and the cooking show when she was a homemaker, and my sister, my older sister and younger brother and I were at home, and having that radio on, then we go to visit my grandmother, her mom, uh, also in Whittier. And grandma had the radio on too. She listened to KABC talk radio, which was the big kahuna back then. And then she listened to Dodger baseball because she loved the Dodgers. And I loved the Angels, but we still loved baseball together. And baseball was kind of a common sport for our family. Uh, turns out my grandfather, my maternal grandfather, uh, Homer Benilius, uh, born in Rancho Cucamonga, uh, actually played a little semi-pro ball and did some umpiring, but he, like many guys his age, who were born in, what, 1902, uh, wound up leaving school after the eighth grade, getting a job, worked for a nursery for 43 years, and then his life was cut short because of cancer. But it's interesting, I, I share all those things with you today because today, June the 9th, 2023, is my mother's 90th birthday. Uh, Catherine Millie Benilius was born in Upland, California, on June the 9th, 1993, or 1933, excuse me. And uh, Katie was the only child of Homer and Mabel Benilius, and uh, uh, she was just a sweetie. Blonde hair, blue eyes, looked like I've seen the older pictures of my mom back when she was younger. She looked like Shirley Temple, you know, just a real sweet girl, and had a great relationship with her mom and her dad. 
Um, her mom had a lot of health problems when my mom was younger, and she said she spent many weekends in the oncology ward at uh, Whittier Presbyterian Hospital while her mom was going through some kind of treatment. And then her dad uh, wound up getting cancer in, his, in the uh, early 1950s, and he spent the last decade battling colorectal cancer. And uh, that actually took his life in April of 1960. What's interesting about that story is that my sister was born in September of 1959. I hope you don't mind me sharing this just like family story here because there's significance here. Um, my sister was born in September of 1959 and my mom used to bring Linda to go see granddaddy and it got to the point where he was so weak he just said please don't anymore because it's, it's just too hard. And so he passed away and then about a year later I was born. And it's interesting to me because I've got pictures, I'm sending them to Tamara and Eleanor, of my granddaddy when he was a young guy and me when I was thinking of high school or something like that, and how much we look alike and act alike and pretty much were alike and are. And I think I got my gift of gab from him. He was a sales guy. People loved him. I, If you take a look at a picture of me now and him at the same age, I didn't get my physique. For, he was a little shorter, but I think he weighed 140 pounds sopping wet. I'm probably twice that. But that love of baseball, love for my grandmother, he loved my mom, and he loved USC athletics. Um, he became a Trojan fan because he worked for uh, the Armstrong Nursery here in Southern California. And whenever they had a chance, he was one of their top sales guys. So whenever uh, they had a chance, he got free SC football tickets, um, got to go to the games. As a matter of fact, he used to kid my mom that uh, he... I was hoping she would graduate from high school and get accepted to USC so he could get a discount on season tickets for the football games. My mom grew up thinking that uh, the Rose Bowl was on SC's schedule because every year on New Year's Day, my granddaddy got the tickets to see SC play in Pasadena. But I think of those times when my granddaddy was uh, younger and my mom was in her you know single digits and watching this little blonde-haired, blue-eyed girl bopping around the neighborhood and little Katie. And um, and then she got older and she met my dad and got married and uh, my sister came along, then, my, then me, then my brother. And when I got married and uh, Emily came along and then daughter Kaylee was the second one to be born, little blonde haired, blue eyed, bouncing around, you know, <laughs> doing the same type of thing. As a matter of fact, it was her mom's idea to name her Kaylee. It was kind of a trendy name at the time, but she wanted to do something to honor uh, my mom which I thought was very, very sweet. And so, Mom, happy birthday. Happy 90th birthday today. I love you so much. And uh, I know that the reason I'm on the radio, first and foremost, is because of your prayers, but also because you thought it was a good idea. Dad didn't at first, I know. And he still may have his doubts. But uh, we're coming up on 40 years of this, so I don't think there's any time left for me to do anything else. But my mom being the radio fanatic that she is, when I had my first radio job in San Luis Obispo, KIQO and Atascadero. If you know the Central Coast, you know that area well. My parents were staying at the Avila Inn and Avila Beach, and I was doing the midnight to shift six, midnight to six shift on the air. And of course, there's no internet, and my mom didn't want to wake my dad up. So at five o'clock in the morning, I told her, I said, I'm pre recorded until five, but from five to six, I'll be live and I'll play a song for you and say something to you. So my mom put on her bathrobe, got in the car, turned the key backwards, turned it at 104.5 FM and sat in the car and listened to me on the radio, which I just thought was the coolest thing. And then I got a job here in the Inland Empire at KQLH, which is now KFROG 
in San Bernardino, and my grandmother used to live every Saturday and Sunday night, and um, she used to write letters to the manager, wondering why I wasn't on full time. You know, it just it was sweet. Until my grandmother passed away in October of 1984, and ironically, my grandmother passed away on October 15th, 1984, and six years later, my daughter Kaylee was born. And this day is so special for my mom, of course, because she's turning 90 today. But earlier today, earlier today, uh, we were up in L.A. and uh, Kaylee was defending her doctoral dissertation. She found a young man that she fell madly in love with freshman year in high school, Kevin Zapanta. They're married now. And they both found, discovered a love for science and then exercise physiology. And she got a degree in biokinesiology and wanted to be a trainer and thought about going into counseling. And then she started working on a master's degree and became fascinated with how gut microbiomes or whatever impact our lives as it pertains to things that we don't always think they do. Like right now, if you get cancer, it's radiation, it's chemo. And Kaylee said, well, what about diet and exercise? You know, Parkinson's disease, same type of thing. And so at the start of her master's journey at the University of Southern California, ironically, her granddaddy's favorite school or great granddaddy's, um, she hooked up with an oncologist and was actually in the process of uh, studying the impact of gut microbiomes and colorectal cancer in men. It was a very unlooked at area, but she said, well, I've got a family history here. And so I want to pursue that. And so she worked for first two years at USC working on that to see how God made our bodies, to see how um, maybe a change in diet or getting into exercise. It was already starting to work with like breast cancer patients and everything, but um, you know that's where the sexy money is. That's where the big corporations are, but trying to find a way to prevent colorectal cancer isn't terribly appealing in the big pharma world. She finishes her master's, she gets approved for a doctorate, and then her advisor left, who's now instructing at Harvard University. So Kaylee needs an instructor now, needs a, an advisor. And the only advisor available said, hi, uh, I'm not oncology, I do Parkinson's disease, I'm neurobiology. But if you wanna give it a shot, let's give it a shot. So God helped her to rework her findings, to start an all new group of patients, to do the research that she's doing. And about a month ago, she walked and got her hood and her puffy hat for her PhD in biokinesiology and uh, finished the research that she has done, been called to do. And um, today she defended that dissertation successfully. So Kaylee, I'm so proud of you. But there's a, uh, there's a legacy component to this too. And I'm gonna take a minute here and get my composure. <laughs> And then I want to share it with you because it's just a beautiful picture to me of how God ties all this together. So let's do that on the other side of this break as this Good News Friday edition of The Bottom Line continues. You know, I'll never forget the moment I met my grandson, Isaac. It actually wasn't in the delivery room. That was the first time I held him. But 
The first time I actually met Isaac was when I went with his mother to her ultrasound appointment, and the ultrasound technician showed us a picture of that eight-week-old baby in the womb. Uh, you know, I encourage you to contact Preborn right now and make a donation to provide that same experience for another family. Maybe there's someone in your family who's expecting a child right now. They've had the ultrasound. You've seen the picture. You've heard the heartbeat, and you think, wow, how can I bless someone else? Studies show that 83% of the women who go to a preborn clinic and see that ultrasound either choose to become mothers and raise the children on their own or release the child for adoption. It cuts the risk of, it cuts the rate of abortion dramatically. But your donations are necessary right now to get more ultrasound machines into preborn health clinics. Give a gift online when you go to kbrightradio.com and click the banner that says preborn. Cute little baby there wrapped up in a blanket. Or give a gift over the phone. 833-850-BABY, 833-850-BABY, that's 833-850-2229. Call Preborn, make a donation. Every ultrasound machine could do 250 ultrasounds per year, so give a gift right now. Welcome back to this Good News Friday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Got my composure back now uh, on an emotional day for the Marsh family, but it's some good news to share with you. Uh, wishing my mother, Kathy Marsh, a happy 90th birthday today. Uh, and we're getting a chance to celebrate after the show, which I'm super excited about. Also wishing my daughter, Kaylee Zapanta. Congratulations. We can now officially call her Dr. Kaylee Rebecca Marsh Zapanta. Uh, she earned her PhD in biokinesiology. And it's amazing how... God uh, allowed a curveball to be thrown into her life. She spent a number of years preparing for uh, a career in oncology to study colorectal cancer in men and the uh, connection between diet and exercise as a way to treat that rather than uh, simply using radiation and chemo in honor of her great-grandfather. And as she was about to begin the, uh, the, she did two years pre-work, got a master's in that, and then as she was getting ready to start the doctoral program, the uh, PhD advisor who told her, I don't think this is a good idea anyway, and I've been doing oncology for a long time, took another position at Harvard, and um, uh, Kaylee wound up pivoting, and the only instructor she could find was someone who specializes in Parkinson's disease, so she started all over again and, uh, and put it together, and today she defended her dissertation effectively and successfully, and now parts of that dissertation are gonna be part of a new occupational therapy program, a doctoral program that USC is going to have as well, and Dr. Kaylee Zapanta will be adjunct faculty. Um, the th reason why this story just touches me is because of Kaylee's desire to take something that happened in her family that cost us the opportunity to get to know, in my case, my grandfather, a guy that I can't wait to meet in heaven, and to study it and say, okay, the world meant this for evil, cancer, cancer is not God's original plan. But what can we develop that's good that can help people heal from it? And it's amazing how our bodies were created with properties that allow them to heal. If we, I mean, we could take stem cells out of our, uh, some fat tissue in our lower back and inject it in our backs uh, after surgery and find out that we heal a lot quicker using our own stem cells. I mean, there's certain things. Isn't it good and loving of God, knowing that we were created for eternity and that we were created to live perfectly in paradise with him. And yet, because there was the tree with the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil in it, and we did have the capacity to sin that way, he made our bodies uh, in a way that we could be uh, restored, that they could do some self-repair, if at all possible. That my mother, with 
compromised health challenges that she's had over the years, could live to be 90 where her mother could only live to be 80. But I'll tell you what, the one thing that I hear, everywhere that Kaylee goes, the scientific world is so bent against the Christian influence. It's so bent against the values that she and her husband, Kevin, uphold. And yet God has made a way for her. Brothers and sisters, may I encourage you, God will make a way for you in spite of the obstacles that the world wants to throw up at you if he has a plan for you. Hold his hand, walk with him and walk that path. But then if you're looking for evidence of the fruit of the spirit in a person's life, here's the report card, brothers and sisters. When we get older and our kids become adults, that's report card number one, how'd we do? But then as we get older in life, later on in life, that's the second report card. And every time I go to my parents' assisted living place, at least two staff members say, oh, you're Warren's son, you're Kathy's son. They are the nicest people. They are the sweetest people. We love helping them. They've had some challenges. We love working with them. They're just so nice. You get to the point where you forget, who am I holding a grudge against? You know, you can't always hear everything right. Your, your vision isn't that great. All that's really left, your physical body is failing, but your soul is still there. And our souls are eternal, brothers and sisters. I guess that's the point. As Kaylee's reaching back about two or three generations in to kind of help undo a generational curse and help other people have a better quality of health and life, as my mom is living proof that once you get to be 90 years of age, you can still, and we got a lot of bottom line listeners who are active in their 90s, and I love hearing from you. But at the end of the day, let's not forget the temporal part of the world is temporal, but the eternal part of this world is being restored right now. The temporal that's been broken down by sin and disease and lying and deception and all the things that could make us frustrated, God's restoring it to wholeness. Now, as his word tells us, Jesus told us the parable of the tares and the wheat. We're seeing the wheat come to harvestable time, but we're also seeing those weeds, the bearded Darnells come up. They look just like wheat until the very end and then they go toxic. Stay close to the weed and the farmer for the weed, or for the wheat rather. The weeds will be taken care of in God's time. Let him handle it because he can. That is good news. And that's the bottom line.